You're with Julian on the Brown Note and a review of The Green Knight, one of the year's most interesting and best reviewed films and one of the most interesting filmmakers out there, David Lowery. Now, I feel ashamed that I haven't watched all his films, but they certainly are interesting. Um, ain't, ain't those body saints? I'm pretty sure I did see, and I can't quite remember. I miss Ghost Story, a very, very appreciated film. Uh, and The Old Man and the Gun I have to watch as well. It was the last film, I think. Was it Robert Redford's last film? I can't believe I've not watched these films. But he's back with The Green Knight, which is um, an anonymous part of the Arthurian legend of King Arthur. It's one of the most prominent stories connected to the formative text of the United Kingdom or of Great Britain, which is the uh, story of King Arthur and the Round Table and Camelot and Lancelot, Merlin the Magician. All of these elements are entwined into the um, wistful view of uh, formative England, basically. And Sir Garwain and the Green Knight is one of the more prominent stories. The, the basic story is this. Sir Garwain wants to become a big knight and um, a hero. Uh, the Green Knight appears at the at Camelot and um, he tries. He offers a, a competition. He's a he's a supernatural being. He's a very big entity, very scary, and he offers um, what's called the beheading game. Lots of chucks that one on Christmas Day, I think, where basically he allows a knight to give him one blow. On the understanding that in a year's time that knight will travel to his um, green palace and um, allow him to repeat the same thing to him. So Sir Gawain steps up and beheads the green knight. Rather, um, why would you choose that? Why would you choose to behead him? Why not give him a little nick on the arm? He's going to do it to you. <coughs> and um, the green knight then picks up his head... <laughs> Because he doesn't, he doesn't care about those such things. And says, like, well, you're going to come to me in a year's time. And what follows, it is a really good story because it, 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 it forments around uh, the notion of valour and cowardice and bravery in a, in a really good way. And basically, in a year's time, so a terrified Sir Garwain has to travel to the Green Knight to get his comeuppance. And fatalism and all of these things, and about how you make decisions that are really stupid. How you make, how your, in a gothic sense, how your present is defined by your past actions and so on. And he does indeed. In the original story, it, the most important element is the seduction or attempt, uh, when he virtually gets to the Green Knight's palace on approaching Christmas Day, he comes across a lord and lady in this castle. And the Lord of the Manor goes out hunting every day and says, you have to give me whatever you're given in the castle each day. So each day, I think three times, the lady tries to seduce Sir Garwain and he is torn between the fact that his honour will not allow him to reject a lady. So he's in a difficult spot here because he is put in a position of having to reject a lady, which would be against his valour and his honour. And he manages to get out of each circumstance with a kiss, which he then bestows on the lord of the manor when he asks what you've given each day. Apart from the fact she gives him an enchanted waistband, a green sash that goes around his waist that will protect him from any harm coming to him. And that's the most important element of the story because he is about to greet 
this act with supreme bravery, yet he is wearing something that will protect him. So that is one of the most important elements that goes to how you cannot outrun yourself. Now, this time around, it is um, one, of the, one of the biggest steps out of David Lowry's filmmaking box. It is an art house version of a King Arthur tale. We've had several. We've had the brilliant John Borman film, which was very arty in 1981, Excalibur. Great film. Um, and then we have what was my worst film of the year when it came out, which was the Guy Ritchie, King Arthur, Sword of My Biscuit, or whatever it was called, which was uh, I gave a 1 out of 10 to, uh, and is one of the worst films I've ever seen on a filmmaking level. It ticks every box. It's terrible. So um, this is very interesting because it goes very much for a much more art house crowd. This isn't a film that is going to reward people who are into sword and sorcery that much, but there are elements in it that do. The interesting thing here is the casting of Dev Patel. Dev Patel became prominent with Slumdog Millionaire in his lead role in that and stumbled since because he was intrinsically involved in The Last Airbender and virtually no one got off the event horizon of that black hole of monstrosity it's worth watching if you actually want to see if it's as bad as it's made out to be it certainly is um m night Shyamalan's biggest disaster in a career full of big disasters so it is great to see him chosen in this role and it's a really interesting thing is happening with uk historical roles where they're casting black people or people that aren't of the original color of the original people because no one's saying anything Apart from the rapid right, obviously, but we keep having this thing where white actors are continually being held up for not representing, not being what they're representing. You're not trans, you're not Asian, you're not so-and-so, whitewashing the world. These people are remaining curiously silent about people that aren't white English playing white English roles, which is a little bit hypocritical, I would say. And I don't care. I think actors should be able to play absolutely anything at all. I'm with Scarlett Johansson on that one. There are, there are certainly circumstances where it would be inappropriate, but even if Scarlett Johansson wanted to play Martin Luther King as it was a part of an artistic reason, it should be allowed. Maybe not if you're doing a standard historical biopic, but it should be allowed that an actor should play anything. So Dev Patel has his juiciest role in many a year. And it, it, it broadly follows the same story that I just detailed about Cigar Wayne, he is a bit more of a playboy millionaire here. He is a nephew of King Arthur, and his mother is actually, uh, is it Merlin's sister? Well, she's just called Mother here, but her real name in the, Morgan Le Fay, she is like the second most powerful wizard to Merlin. She is Dev Patel's character, or Garwain's mother. So she uh, is intrinsic in... Um, setting him on his way she actually gives him the green sash to start with which he then loses when he's robbed he loses everything he loses his horse he loses his sword his helmet his armor and it's a rum journey for him along the way we see supernatural elements which are really cool like the giants he sees some giants moving along which is quite an amazing surreal sight and um he goes from being this um you know, a playboy that really wants to be an honourable knight but isn't a knight yet and who is given this task by uh, King Arthur, played by uh, Sean Harris, who is a great actor who shows up every now and again in things. He plays a, an excellent King Arthur. <coughs> 
So um, most of the journey after, and, and the other thing is, is you've got a girlfriend who is a commoner in a brothel who is played by Alicia Vikander. Um, she actually turns up in a dual role here. So she plays a very, and it's great to see Alicia Vikander actually get this really meaty dual role. It's the best thing I've seen her in forever. She's so beautiful, it's painful, but she keeps getting in some slightly duff roles, the Tomb Raider thing. Um, here she plays a very earthy tomboy prostitute who's in love with Death Patel's character, but she's a commoner, so he can never marry her because he's related to King Arthur. She then shows up as the unbelievably intoxicating lady towards the end that tries to seduce Dev Patel's character. Um, there is an awful lot to love about this film. The cinematography is often dazzling. It's beautiful to look at, and there is some really strong imagery going on here. Dev Patel is fantastic in a role where he moves from being a drunkard playboy into somebody who's a lot more thoughtful. And the characters along the way, uh, uh, Alicia Vikander is superb in her dual roles that are very different characters indeed. And you and you really feel the power of her magnetism when she's playing the seductress lady. It would be very difficult to resist. Um, Ralph Innocent as well as the Green Knight is a very terrifying thing. Um, a lot of these people have shown up in um, uh, the more art house um, English fair of the last decade. And um, he's chosen his cast brilliantly here. And who's the other one that's really interesting? Oh, I can't remember now. <clears throat> and there are some very interesting surreal things along the way. He meets up with a saint who resisted the advances of a knight and lost her head in this really ghostly sequence. He's followed by this excellent fox. Um, now, occasionally it's a bit too dull uh, in the progression of the story. These are slight things. The only major thing I have, a lot of people have decried it deviating from the source material. This is a plus and a minus. You should be able to deviate from the source material. And the two examples are the two most important elements. The final heading game with the Green Knight is one of the best sequences in the film. It deviates massively from the original, yet it stays focused on the meaning of that sequence in the original story. And it keeps the focus on the green sash and what that means to Cigar Wayne. It never loses sight of that. It's a brilliant job, even though it ends very flippantly and quite funny. Um, it still, main, it still, it, it makes the main point of the story: the green sash, and bravery and cowardice and and everything else. It doesn't lose sight of it. Where it gets it really wrong is the other main point in the story: the seduction scene. In the original, she is. I won't spoil it, but basically, it 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 upends what happens it reverses what happens and that loses a large part of what the story means throughout that sequence it is not something that ruins the whole story but is a big element of the original story and the they don't do it justice they actually come up with a different answer to virtually every question and i thought that that was a letdown but overall this is undoubtedly one of the year's most it's imaginative it's strong across the production design of sound who did the music daniel hart do i know daniel hart 
not an American composer. Worked with some Vincent uh, Swans. So a broken social scene, poly polyphonic spree. So his music was excellent. The sound stage and sound effects were excellent. Uh, the editing and the uh, cinematography of this um, landscape in Ireland is stunning. It is absolutely breathtaking. These um, modern hills and fog and these vast open landscapes, which are quite ominous as well. Um, and the whole nighttime sequence with the poor beheaded ghost, I thought it was excellent. I thought it was really, really good. So only some minor quibbles here and there with the source material and uh, the fact that it does drag a little bit. But overall, it is undoubtedly one of the films of the year. It will definitely be in my top 10 films of the year. So I'm going to give The Green Knight an 8.5 out of 10.